Hi, welcome back to Coworking with Iris. I'm really excited to bring Tiffany back this week um, for another episode of Nexodus Hacks. And uh, this week we're gonna go into a, a nice deep dive um, on a few specific instances that we were able to choose with Adrian. Um, hopefully they're relevant to you. If they're not and you have questions that you'd like to have answered, please don't hesitate to reach out via Twitter at Iris Kavanaugh and um, send me any questions that you might have. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna go ahead and welcome Tiffany now. Hello there, thanks for having me back, Iris. Uh, last week was super fun and I'm excited to do a little bit more of a deep dive into the weeds of Nexodus and hopefully get some of those really specific questions answered. Um, and I'm gonna try to keep it my terminology general enough so if you're not currently using Exodus, you can understand what I'm talking about. But if you are, you're gonna get the lingo. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, one thing that I found fascinating last week was you know, we had, we had some great feedback. People really appreciated the format of the show and sort of the summary. But um, we had a lot of feedback asking for some more in-depth um, responses and, and instances. And I was really encouraged by that. Um, and you know that people see this as a resource. Um, so you know I'm really looking forward to having you give us some really specific examples. Um, I also wanted to point out to our viewers that um, <clears throat> Adrian posted a comment on last week's show and he posted several links um, <clears throat> to different resources that you can use. Um, to better your experience with using Nexodus, excuse me. Um, and in addition, he also answered some of the questions that we came up with in last week's show um, that were left unanswered. So I've posted those all to the co-working Google group um, thread that covers Nexodus. So if you're not using the co-working Google group, you should be, just go onto Google and search co-working Google group. Um, currently, the Nexodus thread is at the top of the forum. It's an interesting thread. It actually started way back in 2013. It's still around. Um, and so please feel free to dive into that. Uh, Tiffany, before we got started today, we were one of the things that we were chatting about was um, some uh, um, realizations that you've had in training your team about um, using Nexodus jargon versus not using Nexodus jargon. Um, how do you, how, how did that um, kind of come about um, as you were training your people? Tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, it was a totally unexpected thing that I, um, we were, when I was asking Iris before we got started, I said, you know, um, how, how jargony, how next phase jargony should I get in this conversation? And, and that reminded me of how I've noticed, started to notice about a couple months ago, how our team is using next base jargon when talking to members and how really confusing that can be. Um, and so for instance, if someone went in to try and you know book a conference room and something wasn't working and they went, our staff checked it out and it turns out they, they didn't have an active contract, they would turn to the member and say, well, you're just a contact right now, you're not a member and your contract isn't active, so that's probably why you can't do it. And watching the member be like, okay, <laughs> you know, so I've been trying to remind people that members have no idea what you're talking about 
and that, you know, just a simple answer of, oh, I think I found the problem. Let me go ahead and fix that for you and get you right back up to speed uh, is probably the best way to just answer them and not try to explain uh, to them exactly it. And the other thing, too, is uh, with using the word contracts, um, I we don't like to use that word around next space because we pride ourselves on being really flexible with our memberships and being month to month and um, trying to fit into people's lives and not have a lot of rules around when they can change and cancel and do things like that. Um, and so I don't like to use that word contracts when speaking to members. So just a heads up when you're training your team, something to be yeah. aware of. <laughs> yeah, good, really good feedback. I mean, you know, as one of the things I think most people love about co-working is you know, how humane it is and how human it feels. Um, and it doesn't feel very human to have somebody say to me, well, you're just a contact. Well, wait a yeah. minute, well, yeah. I'm just a contact. No, I'm- You'll become a contact when your membership ends. <laughs> <laughs> Way to reduce me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so another thing that came out of um, last week's conversation um, was, um, the discussion with Adrian sort of around expectations um, for um, the relationship between, um, you know, um, setting up <clears throat> Nexodus to work in your space um, and um, the back and forth kind of process and feedback process um, and support process with Nexodus. And I, um, as we were talking earlier, you know, I thought that that was really helpful. Um, and one of the things that, that Adrian said is, you know, he basically used the analogy of QuickBooks. Um, and so as a space manager, how does, that, um, how does that analogy sort of help you shift your thinking around using Nexodus and reaching out for help with Nexodus and sort of framing the overall setup? Yeah, so he said, you know, just because you buy QuickBooks doesn't mean you're an accountant, a good accountant right away, or just because you get Salesforce doesn't make you um, a salesperson right away. And so um, what he was trying to say is that, you know, we, we have this platform here for you, and our job is to support you in your growth and to support you in your unique situations or different things you want to set up. Um, but you, people need to understand that, with this system, and I suspect with any co-working software system, you know, it's not going to be exactly what your space needs out of the box. And that's that's the beauty of co-working. Every space is going to be a little bit different, and every space is going to have their different ways of doing things and catering to their members' needs, whether it's based on the region they're in or the types of members, you know, if they have a specific member type of, you know, demographic they're going after, like, technology people or design people or whatever, your needs are going to be different. And so on the one hand, yeah, it would be great to have a software out of the box. It's great and super and, you know, easy and intuitive and perfect to use and rarely any issues, but that's not the kind of software that's going to give you the flexibility that our co-working spaces need. Um, and so just kind of shifting your mind to think, okay, this is the thing that I need to communicate about, I need to build it to our specifications of a, as a space and get, make it exactly what we need as our co-working space, um, that's a different way of thinking about it. And it's kind of fun because it's it's we get to customize it without necessarily having to spend the big bucks and oversee a big development team and all of that that goes on with um, building your own software. Um, so that was a, a fun way to kind of try to shift uh, the way of thinking about this platform. 
Yeah, I mean, I, re I really like it. And I think it, it speaks um, really well to, you know, why Nexodus works for so many different instances of co-working, um, you know, from multi-location spaces all the way down to, you know, a really small space with a really basic set of memberships. And, um, I, you know, we know that it, it can be complex to use. And yet at the same time, it's because it's so powerful. It's because it, it's really in a lot of ways, almost a choose your own adventure co-working um, <laughs> yeah. software, you know? And so it was a really good, I feel, I felt like reframing um, of, of the conversation around how to um, think about um, basically your setup, but also, uh, you know, how you want to organize Nex Nexodus for your space. And I think too, one of the ways that we ended up settling on NextSpace when we were going through all the demos and, and the vetting process was I, you know, we put together a list, kind of like what we're gonna do today, of complex situations. And we put people through the ringer. We're like, okay, we have this, 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 and this, and this. How exactly would your software handle this? Or can you even do this? And what we found is, and this is not to say anything bad about any other things that we looked at, but they were like, Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, let me write that down. Like, we need to figure that out. I'm like, yeah, you do. <laughs> like, and so, um, and so, I think it's they're they're all coming along, and and we're gonna see some really great competition come up in the you know next couple of years. But Nexus was the only one was like, yeah. So you would do this, 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 and this, and this, and that's how you would do that. And we got that, and we've done it before. And so, um, if when you're vetting, you know, putting together some of those complex situations to ask about are gonna be really helpful. Yeah, great. Okay, um, new drinking game. Oh every yeah? Time, every time we say next space instead of Nexodus, <laughs> it's time <laughs> to take a sip. Okay. It's just water though. I feel like we need to be more Shoot. exciting for this. Maybe we should be doing this at 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. Make it a lot more interesting. <laughs> um, Okay, well, let's dive into some some good scenarios here. So, um, one of the unique aspects of um, of your situation there at NextSpace is that um, you have multiple locations, and um, Nexodus does a pretty good job of supporting you in multiple locations. Um, you're also a twenty four seven space, which means that there's a lot of times that you're not there that your members are. Um, <clears throat> And your members have 24-7 access to the, um, their sort of home location um, where, um, you know, where, they, where, where basically they pay their bill mainly. And they can use the conference rooms there 24-7. Um, but they don't have that same level of access at other locations. So in this instance, how do you apply this um, scenario to the Nexodus workflow, and how do you create a good workflow that works for both the members and the staff? Yeah, this was an interesting one that came up because on the one hand, you need to be able to communicate to the members that they, while they have access to the calendar of the other spaces, they if they can't get into a space outside of the nine to five hours that were open, they can't book a conference room outside of that. And they may not immediately realize that when they're going to book. So one of the features that Nexodus has implemented since, since we came on with them was something called access rules. And that's in the back end um, of the conference room setup. And so um, that is not only helpful for your members where you can control 
what types of members can book during what hours. So the setup can be a little, it can take some time to make sure you're getting that all right and you're putting restrictions where they need to be. But it was also really helpful in um, being able to let outside people come in and book a conference room. Hmm. Um, in the beginning, we couldn't open our calendar up to contacts or uh, outside, outside people who weren't members because we couldn't have controls. It was either open the calendar up for 24-7 for our members or reduce it to 9 to 5 only, but that does it for the members too, which obviously would not be acceptable for us. Um, so these access rules help us set up not only the hours of each room or resource, as they're called, um, per for outside people, but also per member. I mean, you could get super granular and say, you know, if you have a weekend membership, like a weekend warrior membership or whatever you call it, um, you know, you can say that specific membership only has access during these specific hours to book a conference room. Um, and so that was a really nice addition that came about and it allowed us to make our calendars public and be able to have outside people come in and book and still have those controls set. Mm -hmm. So in setting this up, um, is this something that if you already had your conference room set up and you wanted to add this functionality in, is this something you could go back in now and do, or is this something you need to do from the beginning, therefore needing to kind of rebuild your resources? No, so it's just a new tab that's there when you're in your resources. Um, it's called, pretty positive, it's called access rules, and you go in um, and you set the hours on this little diagram of a calendar and um, you tell it what memberships, you can even say what members specifically. Mm -hmm. We haven't had to get that deep into it, but you could say like this member has this specific access um, and you set up different rules on your conference rooms. Um, you can say that the rules are only for members or that they're only for contacts. Uh, there's a lot of different options in there as usual. So um, it's fun to go play around with that. Just you know, take your time and make sure you're really getting it right so you don't uh, do something you don't mean to do and, and lock your own members out of booking their conference rooms. So, yeah. And how does this tie into pricing? Um, does this, uh, so, uh, you know, obviously you're going to be charging a different price for your members than you are non-members. Can you also charge a member? Like, let's say that you didn't offer for some reason um, a different, you didn't offer the membership rate across different locations to members. So could you have a member who received the membership rate, a discounted membership rate at their home location, but if they needed to go visit another location, they had to pay the full price? That's a great question. And I don't know the answer because that's not something that we've come across. Um, I'm sure there's a way mm -hmm. <laughs> to control that. Um, but I don't actually know the answer to that off the top of my head. Okay, so then how does that, how does it tie in though to pricing? Um, do you set up your pricing there and your pricing rules um, in that same setup or do you need to make sure that your pricing rules are set up to accommodate this, um, you know, basically um, um, different set of rules that Nexodus has come up with? So the access rules and the pricing are different things. The access is simply an hours thing, um, a time of day of when people can access booking that room. And then your resource rates section is where you're going to set the prices for all of your resources. So resources are um, conference rooms or if you rent some other sort of room, maybe um, like at the last coring space I was at, we had a special computer set up. 
that had the full Creative Cloud, Adobe Creative Cloud on it, and other great tools for designers. So we could have used this function as um, you know renting that computer out, um, your phone booths, any other thing that you want to put a price on or put hours on or control in that way. Um, you use resources or resource rates for that. Um, and so the resource rates is where you're going to go in and set the pricing for a specific resource based on whether they're a member or they're a contact. Wow, great. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I really like the segue into products um, or different types of resources. Um, how, how much experience do you um, have at Nexus or uh, Nextface? Oh, drink. <laughs> Reverse drinking game. <laughs> Hydrating drinking game. <laughs> um, so, how how often do you come up with in you know with this instance that you're using the resources to um, either book or provide access to other types of um, products like monitors or um, you know coffee discounted coffee from your coffee vendor? Yeah. So, I I hope Adrian can correct me if I'm wrong, but in my mind, resources are um, just that, like things that you you, you book. Um, and anyway, that's how we use it. It's the things that you can book out. If it's something you need to charge somebody for, the products feature is really great. So products can be a lot of different things. They can just be simple, what you want to name it, let's say, um, you know, locker rental. And you set it up in the back end, and there's tons of options for that of who it's available for. Is this a public thing as in when someone's signing up for a membership, they can add this product to their membership on a recurring basis? Or is this something that's not visible to, to your members or to the public or not visible to anybody outside the admin system? Um, and it's just something you use in the back end. Um, <clears throat> a good example is like, um, you know, we use day passes. Our, products. So we have a product set up and what you could do is you name the product whatever you want and you do some of the settings in that window but in a separate window is where you can add things to it. So you can add a time pass. So for example, if you set up a product that's a 10 pack of day passes, you set up the product and then you go back into it and you add those 10 day passes to that product so that when you actually charge that product to someone's account or when someone purchases it, it automatically dumps those 10 uh, time passes into their account. Um, and so you don't have to like manually go add them or anything like that. Um, similarly, you can add conference room time to products. So we um, had a situation come up where I needed to be able to add additional conference room time on a recurring basis to one of our members' accounts. And so what I did was set up a product that had six hours of conference room time attached to it. And I set it up in his account as a recurring product so that every month, every time, and I, and I could also set it as free, which is really nice. So I could set the conference room time as free or I could charge it. I could do whatever I wanted there. Um, but it was free because it was supposed to be included in his membership. And so every time that product recurs, um, uh, six more hours of conference room time were dumped into his account for him. So products are really great. One of the things, a piece of advice I would share about products is there's actually two ways to do these types of things. There's products and there's charges. So products are things that you want to set up products when it's something you use a lot, like you're going to use it often, often enough that you want to get it set up properly in the back end. Um, 
charges are things where if you just need to do a one-off manual charge um, and it's not something, you know, maybe somebody broke a picture or something and you need to charge them for it, I don't know. Um, you could go in and, and I wouldn't set up a product for that because that's not something that would happen often. And I try to, the reason I say that is because your products can and your price plans and everything, I'm, I'm always trying to think towards the future and I don't want us to end up years down the road with like a million products in our account that just gets complicated and it's just not needed. And it probably doesn't matter if I had a million in there. Like, you know, I, I mean, I think that's maybe a part of my just like organized brain of like, no, we can't have a million unnecessary products that we never use anymore. But um, I don't know, I just like to keep it clean. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always trying to look for the simplest way to do things. Um, and so using that products versus charges features um, is important. I will say one thing about the charges feature, and this is something I'm constantly training our team on, is when you do set up a manual charge, you need to make sure that you put it into the right accounting code. And I, I realize not everybody could be using accounting codes, but I hope you are because it makes your accountant's life so, so much easier. Um, but it's up to the staff member when they're doing a manual charge to put in the proper accounting code. And if they forget that, if they just don't, if they just skip over that drop down when you're setting it up, you could end up in a situation where at the end of the month, your accountant has this big chunk of money that's just random charges and they don't know what accounting code it is. And now we have to go track it down and figure out what it is and re, you know, reallocate it. So I try to train my staff to only use the charges function you know, when it's absolutely necessary and I, and anytime charges come up, no matter how many times I've said it to them, I'm like, don't forget to put the right accounting code. Don't forget to put the right accounting code and just say it over and over. And, um, eventually people just want to smack me, but Hey, our accountants love me. Right. So, you know, what can you do? <laughs> Walking that line between the man, the space managers and the accountants. That's a fun line to walk. Yeah, exactly. You know, one thing that, um, that came up for me while you were talking was really the understanding that um, resource. I, I and I, th I I'd love to hear your your feedback on this thought that I have. But um, resource booking is how you can manage um, sort of a lot of a lot of the little odds and ends that you need to be able to loan out to members, but tend to disappear a lot in co-working spaces, like extra extension cords or cat five cables when you need um dongles for the conference rooms um, projectors if you have projectors that you loan out um, you know a lot of co-working spaces allow members to take things home or, or to borrow them for you know their private party or something like that and so would you use um, resource basically renting even though you might rent it out for free basically loaning that resource, would you use um, the resource booking functionality for those? That's a great idea. Um, we haven't used that, but I think that that could be really cool. I know that with um, when you're setting up a conference room as a resource, or I guess any sort of resource, you do have the options of adding different products that people can add to that booking. Mm -hmm. So, for example, like let's say you set up a conference room and you want to add a product of a projector and a dongle and whatever different things people might want in a conference room. Maybe you offer um, beverage service. You can set that up as a product and attach it to that resource and give people the option to add that product to their booking. And 
that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to charge for it. It can be a $0 product, but at least then you know what that person needs, what they're using. Um, if it's an outside booking, maybe you can make sure to get those things set up for them ahead of time um, and they can add it to their reservation. So that's, that is also a really nice feature um, that you can add to resources. Yeah. But yeah, you can absolutely use it for, for booking out, you know, cat five cables or whatever you want to do things. Yeah. And I mean, I, I really see that as it, depending on, you know, how fast of a workflow that can become for somebody once they're really, you know, versed in, in taking those steps. But I see that as a way to really keep track of where your stuff goes. I mean, yeah. if you have, um, like I said, a projector or, you know, dongles, um, that you're regularly loading out and they're always disappearing, knowing that they're assigned to a person and then being able to go and say, hey, you know, I, I assigned this to you. Um, did you, you know, is it back in the cabinet? Yep, it's back in the cabinet. Or, oops, actually it's in my car in the parking lot. Let me run and get it for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, cool. Well, let's move on um, into, a, into another um, example. So I'm gonna dig kind of deep back into my, um, my history in managing um, uh, the Next Phase Santa Cruz location. Mm -hmm. And um, we had a member who was a, um, actually two members that were kind of original members, OGs. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, so this is Steve and Andreas, they're still there, so you know them. And um, <clears throat> Steve had a workstation membership, so he was a permanent member um, in the room we call the zoo um, and he'd been in there running his own business forever and um, Andreas was an office member and um, he, he runs a company that is um, is co-located in both Germany and here in Santa Cruz in the US um, so Steve and Andreas were, were friends and eventually started um, decided they were going to work together and Steve was going to come on board as an employee of Andreas's company so Andreas came to me and he said, um, this was long before we'd even heard of Nexodus, unfortunately. <laughs> but he said, hey, Iris, um, I'm gonna take over Steve's membership. So I need you to start charging me for that on a monthly basis. So there was one change that I needed to record. Um, so one of the things that came up for me with that though was that I didn't wanna lose the history on Steve's membership. You know, he'd been a member for three years at that point, and I really wanted to be able to maintain that sort of financial and, um, and membership level um, record so that, you know, when we did, when we did basically metric, you know, or looked at metrics or, or looked at historical data, we had an accurate historical record. Um, and then the other unique aspect of this is that Steve was going to be needed to be able to continue to use conference room hours on his own for personal projects that he might have. Um, and of course, we wanted to charge him the member rate for those because he was a member. At the same time, Andreas was expecting that the, the conference room hours that were allocated to the membership he was now going to be paying for would come under his membership level, basically bringing him up to 20 hours of conference room time on a monthly basis. Um, and so this is a big challenge, <laughs> you know, in sort of figuring out how to use, at the time we used, you know, the system that we titled Moose, um, you know, how to do this in Moose. Um, and, you know, it, it created all kinds of workflow problems. Um, 
But at the end of the day, what it really comes down to is allowing, um, I, think, I think it's something that we covered last time, but it's really allowing one member to, um, to have a separate account, right? Is yeah. that how you would set that up? Yeah, so a couple of things to say here is, so when you do the situation in Exodus, you set up a team and you check a couple of boxes and some of those boxes are talking about if you want the conference room time to pool. Um, and there's a couple of different options you even have within that. So let's say, for example, you have a team and you want their conference room hours all to pool together. So in this instance, you wanted, um, I think maybe you were giving 10 hours at that time, so 10 hours and 10 hours to pool together so that <clears throat> Steve could use Andreas's conference room hours and vice versa, no matter who the payer was in that case. Um, but you can also have the option to say that you don't want those conference room hours to pool. Um, or you have the option to say that I want a payer at the top and I want all the members and I only want them to be able to use their hours and the payer's hours, but not the rest of the team's hours. So there's a lot of different ways you can set that up, which has been something we've worked with Adrian and his team on. Um, over the last you know couple of months, um, because this was a big issue for us, where team members' uh, hours weren't able to pull in this way, but they do now, and we're very very happy for that. Um, in the case of Steve wanting to have his own special um, account where he could book personally, um, in this is how I would do it, and again, I encourage people to um, check with Adrian and make sure this is the best way to do it, which is usually what I try to do. Um, but what, off the top of my head, what I would do is I would set, I would set Steve up in a separate uh, account with a different email address, probably his personal email address or perhaps whatever his side business was, that email address. Um, and he could log into that account. Now, what, what we talked about before, Iris, is that that would work great, um, and he would be a contact in the account. However, that wouldn't give him the member pricing that he needs. And so in that case, I would need to put him in a price plan that is probably a $0 price plan so that he could be counted in the system as a member and get access to the member rates of the conference room. Now, there may be a way to set something up with the Remember how I was talking just right a few minutes ago and I kind of had a little bit of an epiphany of like, of the rules being able to be super specific per person. Mm -hmm. And there might be a way to set it up to say, you know, Steve at this email address, you know, this member, this contact Steve gets this specific pricing in this specific conference room. The reason I don't totally like that is because then you have to remember like if he ever leaves to go take that off. Mm -hmm. um, so, which you're not going to do. So, <laughs> um, is that because it's not? Is that because it doesn't? There's not a record there that shows that it's connected to his account. So, when you disable his account, that also gets disabled. Well, remember when people leave, their accounts don't necessarily get disabled. They just turn into a contact. So they're still in our system, and so it's still tied to his account. Um, and I don't think that it's going to differentiate oh, now he's not a member, therefore this rule doesn't apply to him. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the best way to set it up would be to set him up in a $0 price plan, um, you know, whatever you wanted to call that price plan. And what's nice is you can customize, let's say you put him like, you know, in a, an office membership price plan, 
that's priced at X dollars, you can overwrite that with a custom price so that he doesn't get charged anything for it. Mm -hmm. uh, so there are ways to work the system in order to do those types of things. Yeah. And then from a reporting standpoint, um, how does that affect your member count? <clears throat> yeah, that's a great question. So he would be counted as two members in this instance. And so that's why I don't really like having to put him in a special price plan in order to give him that member pricing. So I think this is where, you know, you'd go down the line and, and I would end up being like, hey, Adrian, is this the best way? And is this something we just sort of have to settle on? Um, you know, I don't know that, you know, it would mess with our member count. He would be counted as a member because he'd have an active contract. Mm -hmm. Um, but there might be a rule that you can set up to say to give him the special pricing. Mm -hmm. And just on that note, that is, you know, that's what you want to always be careful of when setting things up is how is this going to affect my reporting? Mm -hmm. And maybe something could be seemingly straightforward, but it's always a good idea to talk to your accounting team and really think through how you're setting things up to make sure that your reports are going to be what you want them to be. Um, for for everybody on the team, for your accountants and for your, you know, CEO and CFO and all those people to make sure that they're getting accurate information. Yeah, um, and just for your space manager to say, oh, how many active members do I have right now, right at this moment? Let me run a quick report and see. Yeah. Um, I could say one other, one other thing I wanted to potentially bring up was a, along these lines is about how you're setting up different promotions and different discounts. And one of the things we're working through right now is how do we, at a glance, how are we able to see what we call bro deals or special discounts for giving people, um, whether it's a promotion that we're running or it's a great member that's in sort of a special deal or how do we, I want, as an operations person, I want to be able to go see at a glance how many dollars are we giving away, basically, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I want to know, we have $4,000 worth of deals out there right now, and what exactly are those deals, and let's make sure that those are okay, and this is all good. Mm -hmm. And the way that I've been able, the way that I'm shifting us into that, making sure that I can accurately see that is by using... Um, by using products to give that discount. So rather than in a price plan giving a custom price, which works because that charges the member properly, but it's really easy to lose the fact that we're giving this person a custom price. And not only that, it's easy to lose that perhaps there should be an end date on that custom price. Right. So instead, what we're shifting into is using a negative product so giving the full price of the membership in the contract of maybe maybe we're giving an office it's 850 and for 3 months we're giving an intro rate of 650. And so I use a product to go in and make a negative $200 charge and I set the product to start on this date and end on this date which is also a pretty new feature that I'm super excited about. Thank you Adrian. Uh, <laughs> so you can set a start and end date so that you now don't have to remember to go stop the discount you don't have to set up a new contract to start. It's just automatically going to fall off and the, the 850 will just start up. And I can see in the reports this pool 
of um, the product. I named it kind of something generic of, you know, office, you know, office promotional, like promotional office discount. And I put it in the office accounting code so that I can see, okay, currently we have $2,000 worth, worth of office promotional discounts running right now. And um, so that's something we're playing with too. Yeah, that's super sexy. <laughs> and that's going to make your accountants really happy, isn't it? <laughs> I hope so. But again, I need to go check with them. I, this has been in like my brain sort of like, go make sure this is okay. Of like, is this going to be okay if you have a bunch of negative, like a negative category? Because it does sort of skew things. For example, if you were to look at like, okay, the price plans are adding up to X amount because I set that price plan at 850, you got to be careful because that's not actually, that could not actually be the amount you're getting. Because over in this column, you have a negative chunk that's hitting off of that. And so that's the money you actually should be expecting and that you should be getting. So I need to let them know that <laughs> and make sure that we're all on the same page of that. Um, so Great. fun little games. <clears throat> OK, let's move on to another question. Um, and this kind of, I think this ties into a little bit into the last question. Um, so let's talk about how you would um, build a, a team that had different member types. Um, so for instance, um, you know, I know at NextSpace, you offer the same amount of conference room time regardless of membership level, but some spaces will have different levels um, or different amounts of conference room time, you know, their, their open plan membership or, or their hot desk membership. Um, you know, that might be two hours of, of conference room time included per month, um, whereas their dedicated desk might allow for four or six. Um, <clears throat> so creating a team with different member types and those member types having a different amount of conference room uh, hours allocated to them on a monthly basis. Um, so how would you then use the pooling, the, the you know, the team hour, conference room hour pooling functionality um, to make sure that all of the members can access the time without not without necessarily dividing the credit evenly amongst the members so that you still have you know your your open plan membership person using two hours a month versus the four hours that your dedicated desk plan membership person would be using yeah so this really depends on how you want them to be able to use the hours um, so the way that the conference room time works for price plans is that it's built into the price plan itself in the back end. So for example, our cafe, which is our open workspace, our workstation, which is the private desk, and our office members all get six hours per person of conference room time. Um, and so that's built into that price plan. So you know, next space, cafe, price plan, six hours. Um, and so when we have people in those different memberships, it's already automatically happening in that, in that way. So when you set up a team, what you want to clarify with the team is <clears throat> how do they want those hours allocated? Do they want each individual person to only be able to use um, their conference room time? Like if someone has two hours, they only get that, even though they're on a team. Um, and that's simply a checkbox in, in the team setup of, you know, don't share resource credits. Um, 
if you, like I was saying before, if you, if you say, well, I want them to be able to use their two hours plus the payers four hours, then you just say share credit with the paying member. Or if you want it all to pool, you click share team with the share credits with the paying member and share resources across the team. And you now can access, anybody can access all of them. And what's actually really cool is, I just went and looked at this the other day to see, to make sure that this is actually what's happening, is when the person logs into the front end, you know, the member side of Nexodus, they can actually go to, um, their resource usage page, and they can see two, depending on how the team's set up, they can see two lines that they could see how much conference room time of their own price plan they've used, and how much is, how much has been used out of the team, and so they can then see how much is left. Um, and so that's how you would set up a team. Um, one of the unique situations we had come up recently is that we have a six-person office, and we have um, three members in that six-person office. And the way that we currently set things up is that when you buy, when you are um, a member of a six-person office, you get six memberships, which means you get 36 hours of conference room time, even if you only have three people set up, um, actual members in there. And so this was a first. We, I don't know how this was a first. Maybe somebody's figured it out on my staff. And I just don't even know. But um, they, we needed a way to say, okay, there's three memberships in here, which is only giving them 18 um, hours, but we need to give them another 18. How are we going to do that? And there's different ways to set that up. You can have price plans per office. And so you put everybody in that office price plan, and, and that's how you control the hours. Again, I think my my brain doesn't like that because that would be a lot of price plans going on per office and we have shared offices. So then in that instance, it wouldn't work and it would just get too complicated. Um, and so what we ended up doing was we, um, had the, we created a product. I think I kind of mentioned this, we created a product that had conference room time attached to it and we set it up as a recurring. So there's lots of different ways that you can set up team. There's a lot more functionality added now than Exodus, um, to the team conference room situation, which was a little frustrating in the beginning, but now that it's fixed, it's my life is so much better. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and once again, we know that um, Adrian and, and his team do a great job of responding to, you know, user feedback and different requests, feature requests, um, and it feels like they're constantly releasing. I mean, every time I log into the back end of um, Nexodus over at Ecosystems account, you know, I have a big feature update um, message that pops up, you know, and yeah. that's something that I really appreciate about appreciate about them constantly improving their product based on <clears throat> member feedback, which isn't always the case. Um, I, you know, I remember back, I think, I think that they're actually still like this, but back when Basecamp was first released, I was constantly emailing 37 signals and being like, hey, could you do this? Could you add that? You know, we'd really like threaded conversations in an inbox. And they're like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> Use it or don't. Those are your right. options. Right. And um, one of the things, too, that has been helpful, too, is, you know, I, let, I, I try to let Adrian know what's, like, high priority or not. And in the case of the conference room pooling thing, I mean, it was, it was costing us a lot of time and money to reconcile that and to deal with that situation. And so, you know, letting him know just how sort of dire that situation was getting was really helpful to communicate to him. It'd be like, 
there has to be a way to figure this out. Like, this is how much time I'm spending on it. This is the issues that we're having. Um, this is a really big deal for us. And he really responded to that and they, they understood, okay, like, you know, not that they took it more seriously and they weren't taking it seriously, just helping them understand in your day to day what an unsolved issue is actually meaning to your staff and to your members, uh, I think is helpful for them to prioritize things. Right, right, because of course they're they're coming at it from their developmental, their developmenter, wow, their I developer mindset. It's <laughs> great for solving the problems that they have to solve, but it doesn't, um, it, you know, it, they're not able to necessarily see it from within the field all the time. Yeah. Um, so having, you know, having a regular feedback loop, um, I think is really important. And it's one of the reasons that the product is powerful. So great. Well, um, so the next question is actually one that I read from the forum. Everybody check out that link. Um, go to the Google group forum and look at the set of links that Adrian set over. Um, and if you happen to be in Exodus right now, um, if you go to your dashboard, your main dashboard, and you look um, on the right-hand side of the page, you'll see a little question mark arrow. Click on our question mark button. Click on that little button, and lo and behold, a lovely forum pops up. And um, I tested this out yesterday. I posted a question for Ecosystem and got an immediate response. I was very impressed with how quickly that response came through. Um, and and I saw a lot of interesting um, use cases in there. So I pulled one out I thought we could talk about today. Um, so this one is interesting. Um, basically the question is, um, how do I remove a member from the online directory once they are no longer an active member? So um, we know that we don't, we know that an, an account doesn't become disabled, but it moves from member to contact. Um, but so if a member has had, um, you know, their, if they've been listed in the online directory um, and I, I move them from member to contact, that doesn't necessarily trigger, or in this instance that this person was asking about, it didn't actually trigger um, a response that took them down from the online directory. Um, so how would you handle this kind of a situation? Yeah, so um, first of all, with the members and contacts thing, um, there is a way actually to make someone inactive, and um, which means they're, I guess technically they're a contact, but there are instances when you may need to do that. For example, if you need to ask someone to leave for really bad behavior and you don't want them ever to be able to <laughs> access anything, um, you can go in and check a box that says they're inactive. And, and that is a, is a powerful way of doing it. Um, and uh, along those lines, you can actually also add custom fields to a member's profile to make sure that future staff members know that this person is not acceptable. For example, we, use, we call it heads up. And it's all in caps, and it says "heads up!" exclamation point, and it's on the very first screen of this person's profile. So, you know, if you go in there, you know. But that's a sidebar. Um, custom custom fields are there, and they're really great. Um, but with the uh, directory issue, what's cool about Nexus is that you can you have full control over what is accessible 
to the public or to your members or to contacts or to all three um, on the front end. So if you want to open up the front end of Nexodus completely for anyone, um, you can go say uh, everything. Um, there's just basically a list that it goes down of, you know, just the website in general. Is that open to everyone or is that contacts or is that members or is that both or is that people who, have, you know, there's, lot, there's some options there. Um, and then it can get granular as, um, is the directory open? Is the uh, community board open? Is your events, are your events listings open? Um, and so that's really nice to go in and be able to have those settings in there. Um, and so I think in this person's case, what they need to look at is if they go to their space settings, um, they can see if their directory is made available um, or is showing people who are either contacts or members. And so that's probably what they want to look at is, um, you know, once someone doesn't, once someone's contract ends and they become a contact um, and you don't want them to be in the directory anymore, make sure that setting is only display members in the directory, members, you know, in a price plan. So, and then also too, you know, sometimes you have members who are public in the directory, as in however you have it set up, if it's, you know, public or public to just your members, um, they don't want to be and they don't understand how to do that, take that off. Um, they have full control over that. There's a box that they can check on their side that says publish my profile. And if you need to do it for them, you can go into their, their profile in the back end and say unpublish this profile. Um, so there's a lot of privacy controls in place and again, there's lots of options and I know that can sometimes be overwhelming or people get frustrated by that, but I like having more options than less and um, being able to have full control. So, so we have access to the public, to our events listings and our conference rooms for now. Um, and the directory and the community board are only accessible by members in a price plan. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where that person needs to go and make sure that setting is, prop is properly set up for them. Great, thanks. Yeah. You know, one thing I just um, <clears throat> noticed recently or learned recently through a conversation with Adrian is how nicely you can skin that directory. Um, so if you've got a, a web developer, um, you know, that you trust and um, you're confident in their HTML skills, um, you can you can display that member directory on your site. Um, obviously, the most cleanest way to do that is to use um, the Nexodus um, space page, the public space page that they offer, um, and skin that uh, in the way you want it. So build your website off of that white label platform. Um, but you can also embed um, your directory uh, and really get it to look at, like anything you want it to, um, which I find really advantageous for people who see themselves as sort of the meta agency to their members and, you know, really want to be able to market their members um, and help their members get their, you know, the word out about what they're doing. And, and also say, yeah. you know, look, look who's here at our space. Look at our community of, of you know, thriving members who are um, doing great things in the world. Maybe there's yeah. someone you want to meet here. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, that is a really nice feature is the white label portion of the front end. Um, in fact, I noticed um, that there's somebody uh, who's posting on the uh, Juicy Facebook page and also posted in um, the Google group forum. They're looking for a developer to do some, it looks like, 
um, you know, yeah, or white labeling. So anybody who, who happens to see this and, and, and wants a side project, <laughs> there's somebody who's looking. <laughs> Check out the Yeah, Google. that would be nice to get a contact list going, and I'm sure Adrian has it, of, of developers who specifically worked with Nexodus mm -hmm. to reskin the front, the front end. Yeah. That would be nice to have. Um, okay, well, we've got time. Um, let's, let's dive into one that's really specific to um, multi-location companies. Okay. Um, so how do you control access to different locations within your Nextspace network based on membership type um, and also be able to allow somebody to have sort of an overall, um, you know, um, sort of universal membership, if you will, at all of the locations? And do you offer that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so when our members join, they have unlimited day pass usage at any of our other spaces. Um, and they can use their conference room time at any other space. And so that is um, built into you know, their price plan, basically, and the way that we've set up the resources. Um, and then the way that we offer the 24-7 access to another location is um, a membership called an Astrodom membership. And so members can let us know. Uh, I see you smiling. <laughs> <laughs> um, members can let us know if they want to have 24-7 access to another space, whether it's, you know, they have events that they want to be holding there over the weekends or they just want to be able to access another space 24-7. Um, and so we use a price plan to set that up and it's set up as another a secondary contract. So you have a main contract and you can have as many secondary contracts as you want. Um, there's actually different ways to set this up. The, the reason we set it up as a price plan is just to make sure that we're keeping track of um, the way that the time frame that someone wants that because sometimes people only want it for a month. Mm -hmm. um, you could also use a product to set this up and um, and add simply add a product and attach it to their contract um, as an astronaut membership. For us, um, the difference that some people might find is that some people have memberships where they need to check in, where a member needs to come in and check in. Mm -hmm. And so you would need to make sure that that a uh, price plan has controls over when someone can check in or not. Or if you're using day passes, make sure that they're getting day passes that are specific to that location for all locations. Um, in our case, they just get 24-7 access. We don't have people check in in that, in that way. Um, and so it doesn't really apply to us. But that's the way that we've worked that out. And what's really nice is that you can um, – you can have that income allocated to the right location. So that was something that in our old system that was kind of tricky to set up and make sure was happening is that making sure that, you know, their main membership income is, um, you know, going to that space. And then the astronaut membership income goes to wherever the astronaut space is. And um, that is a really nice feature to be able to have. Um, one of the reasons you may choose a price, a product over a price plan, and I actually just had to do this recently, is um, we had a member who wanted an astronaut membership, and he wanted it all on the same invoice. And so um, using the product feature to just add it to the, that invoice um, was a way to do that. Mm -hmm. So, And how does that affect a member count? 
So if you wanted to do a global member count or a universal member count, and as a network of spaces, see how many total members you have, does that member show up once? Yeah, because <clears throat> just because he has several active contracts doesn't mean it's going to count him as several active members because it's under one account. If that person were to have two accounts, like we were talking about earlier, and have two different contracts there, then the system's not going to know this is the same person. Right. Um, and so that's where you have to be careful in that instance. Yeah. Um, and um, let's say, you know, let's let's take that month that that person becomes, um, you know, an astronaut at one or more locations. Um, other than their home location, do they show up as an individual member on that secondary and, and tertiary location? Um, in their member reports, if they, if they're, um, if, if you've got a contract for them for that one month? So my understanding, and Adrian will need to correct this if I'm wrong, is that the member count is pulled from um, where someone's home space is assigned. Mm -hmm. So that's in a different section, I believe that's under billing, and you'll see a line for home space, and there's a drop down for all of our different spaces. and. I'm pretty sure that when you pull a member count, that's what it's looking at, not at the contracts. Mm -hmm. um, because just because some, just because an income is going to a space doesn't necessarily mean that they're a member of that space. And so, um, for example, when you need to transfer members, right now I'm dealing with a member who's transferring from our Union Square location to the San Francisco location, and I need to go in and change their home space mm -hmm. to be San Francisco to make sure that they're being counted now in that, in those reports, and that by default things are being charged. I shouldn't even say that. It has nothing to do with being charged. I'm pretty sure the home space is really only, you know, mainly for that member count. Mm -hmm. So that's important to do. And also, I believe that the home space um, has to do or can mess with the permissions of a person, so a staff member. So if my staff member has access to the San Francisco um, Nexodus account, but he doesn't have access to the Union Square Nexodus account, I need to make sure to transfer that member over so that he can access that member's report or um, record in the way that he needs to. We can always see it. But as far as setting things up or changing specific things, sometimes that those permissions can get a little complicated. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Tiffany, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I'd like to invite you to um, add any last comments that you might have or, or ideas. Yeah, I mean, um, it's been a really good talk. Thanks for having me. And I hope I didn't get too, too far into the weeds. but. You know, just everything that we've been talking about, it's just making the system work for you. And, and rather than getting frustrated that you can't figure out how to do something, it's always just really great to reach out to Adrian. And um, sometimes we'll spend too much time on our team being like, well, we could do it this way, we could do it that way, and maybe this will work, but then what about the reporting and this and that? And I'm like, sometimes I'll be like, hey, guys, let's, let's just ask Adrian what he thinks we should do with this. Or let's ask their team what, what we should probably do to make sure we get it right. And usually that's the best, that's the best uh, way to make sure that we're doing it the right way and just considering all the different things we need to consider um, when we're setting up a special situation. So yeah, have fun. Great. It's a challenge. It's a fun challenge. Thank you so much for your time today, Tiffany. Yeah. No problem. Thanks for having me. <laughs>
Well, thanks so much for watching today's show. Um, we'll be back next week with a conversation with Jerome Chang of Blank Spaces. We'll be covering um, sort of the divide between DIY designing your space and the need to hire an architect. So Jerome will be available to answer design-related, construction-related, um, and architectural-related questions. And you can check out past shows, current shows, and former shows at coworkingwithiris.com. Thanks. See you next week.